This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to another episode of Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashran Johan and joining me on the show today is Izana Azudin, the co-founder of the Maya Movement. Now, Maya Movement is an independent youth-led movement advocating for education reform and amplifying students' voices in Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Izana. How are you doing? Hi, uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. So, um, Izana, I, I briefly gave a one-line description pretty much taken from your Twitter page on what the, uh, this organization or the movement is about. But perhaps you can paint a clearer picture. What exactly is Maya Movement all about? So, uh, Maya Movement is, in essence, is all about ed- advocating for education reform, obviously, like you mentioned just now. So, what we try to do is we want to create a more holistic experience for students in school, um, i.e. pushing for a safer environment in schools, um, adding comprehensive sex education, more focus on mental health for students. Um, that's just a few to name. Um, but we also try to advocate for student empowerment as well, amplifying their voices, giving them a platform, uh, and giving youths, and obviously like giving them the platform to speak about issues happening all around the country in their schools, homes, and their community. Yeah. Right. And when was Maya Movement founded, and why exactly? Uh, Maya Movement was actually founded in April last year when my co-founder Rifki Faisal and I were discussing about the Dewan Negara and um, the role it plays in Malaysia's development as a country um, after a Senate 18 meeting that we have. Uh, that we had. <laughs> and uh, we actually realized that like so many youths our age, um, us included at the time, uh, were not so knowledgeable about things that we should know about our country. So for example, is this, um, it's like the importance of voting. We had no idea why it was important to vote. Uh, two is also the functions of systems that were existed to keep our country in check, such as the day one right yet. Uh, we had no idea why it was important, why it even existed in the first place. Uh, but not only that, back in high school, Rifkin and I were also very suppressed from speaking out about certain issues uh, um, that the school deemed as controversial. And we realized that the education system is very against its own students having their own voice or being able to critically think for themselves. And we, look, uh, we thought that was a huge problem, you know, that needed to be tackled. But other than that, uh, it's actually not easy to get access to be involved in a advocacy scene. Um, one, if you're not educated by why it's important to care, but two is also if you don't know where to find the resources to start speaking out. So uh, what we, when we basically created Meyer, what we had in mind was to also create a platform for these students to be able to voice out their concerns and uh, to be able to be involved in making change in the country. Right. Now, you brought up controversial issues. Now, what sort of controversial issues, um, perhaps either you or based on your observation, um, think that students aren't given the, the space to discuss? I think uh, one of the controversial issues that is definitely very prevalent in schools, as uh, pointed out, um, as uh, like Ayn Husiza brought up, was obviously uh, rape culture, sexual harassment. I think uh, that issue is very rampant among schools. And as long as we don't have uh, comprehensive sex education and as long as uh, <laughs> rape culture is not eradicated from schools and um, from our country entirely, I feel like we won't be able to progress in the education system because students or women or people in general in the education system will always be harassed and um, will always be targeted. 
before I, I want to get into uh, many different things that you brought up. But before we get into those, right, I, I'm very curious, um, Izana, why education? Like, why did it, why were you inspired um, to focus on education specifically? Because there are many causes, right, out there. Um, you can take on many forms of activism. So why education? Why is this cause important to you personally? Well, uh, I think it's very simple. I'm a student myself. Uh, many of this, uh, many of the members in my movement are actually students themselves. And we've went through the system. And honestly, um, I feel like whatever the education system is providing to us right now, um, it's not enough. For, it's not enough and it's not comprehensive enough for students to care about important things that are happening in our country. It's not, um, I, it doesn't, like the education system also isn't a very holistic environment. In fact, it actually suppresses the critical thinking skills of our students, right? Mm. So the education system is obviously like, it's very flawed in many, many ways, but I personally needed to make a change in the education system or try to create, raise awareness about it because if no one else does it, then we have to do it. And it seems to me right now that the government or the Ministry of Education isn't really doing much to solve the issues that we have on hand. And when did this light bulb sort of go off in you, right? Because you know, I was a student once, you say you're a student now, and I'll be honest, like, most of the time in high school, especially, you know, I just, most of my friends also, if you see most students, you know, they are just, you know, running around, playing around, you know, they, they are not thinking about activism, they're not thinking about things like, how can I change the education um, system in Malaysia? Um, when, when did you um, sort of get the spark? When did you start thinking about education from an activism standpoint um did you come from a family that um always discussed these things well um actually the reason why i started like i think the spark actually started emerging um again in april last year it was right after like a senate meet 18 meeting that like mm -hmm. Rifki and I had. Uh, Senate, 18 meet, Senate 18 is basically a campaign under the 18. And uh, my co-founder Rifki and I were actually a part, are actually a part of Senate 18. And after the meeting, we actually were talking about so many issues that uh, our country faces, right? And uh, one of the main issues that we were talking about is why do people not care enough about making a change? And um, what are, what actually are the, uh, causes or like the factors of the these issues arising, right? And we realized that it all boiled down to uh, this grassroots issue, which is basically not educating students enough or just not educating since people since they were young. And we realized that it's actually a lot easier to um, educate people or like teach them something when it's from a younger age, right? And that is something that a lot of students in Malaysia don't have. We were never exposed to the idea of advocacy. We were never exposed to the idea of being able to be allowed to be involved in politics because it's been repressed in us for so long. And um, Rifki and I thought that, you know what? Like these issues are so prevalent and like no one is doing anything about them and we need to do something about it. So Rifki just started up like the group chat and then he started up everything, like the foundations to build for my, like the foundations for Meyer, like right now. And yeah, that's just sort of how it started. And from there on, we started hosting like 
uh, we started like coordinating and creating projects, uh, holding programs uh, to educate the uh, youths in our community. So when it comes to education in Malaysia, right? Um, what are the key problems you think urgently need um, reform or fixing? Um, I think the first thing that needs urgent fixing is also um, stop repressing and punishing students from speaking out or being involved in advocacy and politics because that is um, one main way for the government to realize its faults and the Ministry of Education to actually buck up and provide to students properly is to allow them is to allow students to actually speak, to give them a platform to raise the issues, right? Because it's not the MOE that is sitting in school, school going through the education system themselves. They're merely drafting the education system and setting up plans for us, right? Or um, like thereof currently. Yeah, I think it's really important for the MOE and also the government to stop uh, punishing your students from speaking out and uh, to actually be able to raise these issues so in that way, the government knows what they're doing wrong and that they can fix it. But secondly, is also, uh, I think one of the key issues that need to be fixed is also accessibility to education, especially in East Malaysia, right? Because I, we see that this is a big problem, um, especially the issue last year brought up when Viviona actually climbed up a tree to get internet connection. No one should have to go through that in order to sit for their tests or like for their education, right? No one should have to go through that much. So that is one of the things that like the government needs to fix. Also, um, accessibility to internet in order to be able to get these, uh, to be able to get education, um, creating up better plans, for example, um, maybe like creating, maybe also like a non-digital way in order to make sure that students in rural areas get the education that they need. Um, third of all is also, I think, uh, the syllabus, this is one of the key problems in the education system that needs fixing because uh, the reason why the Malaysian citizens are sort of like have the mindset that they do have right now is because of the education system that didn't educate them enough, you know, and uh, we need inclusion of better civic education. We need to teach students why it's important to vote so they become better citizens, they grow up to become good Malaysian citizens. And also a comprehensive sex education. So uh, rape culture is can be slowly eradicated from the education system and from Malaysia as a whole. I just think, yeah, these are the few key problems. Certainly. Now, you, you brought up uh, a few key problems, right? So let's um, perhaps go through them one by one. Now, this idea of um, giving students space to, uh, you know, to discuss um, politics um, is something that is um, clearly very, pa uh, very important, something that both you and your co-founder are very passionate about. Because in a previous interview with The Sun Daily, you said, and I quote, we believe that quality education is uh, one of the fundamentals of a good democracy. Now, uh, wh why do you say that? So I believe that quality education is one of the fundamentals of a good democracy because when you educate students from young that they need to care about the state of the country, um, why it's important to vote, how their vote counts, and also teach them systems of, uh, systems of power that actually keep our country in check, such as the Dewan Negara, the Dewan Rakyat, um, those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. When you teach students how they work, 
students understand why it's important to have good democracy, why it's important to care about the country, and why it's important to make change, you know? Hmm. So democracy also, uh, one important aspect of democracy is also allowing your own citizens to voice out concerns, which is currently, uh, I would say, close to non-existent in our country, seeing uh, the clampdown on all the participants yesterday, individual, right? I believe that education is one of the grassroots sources in order to make sure that you churn out good Malaysian citizens uh, so they know what good democracy actually looks like. So when we implement quality education in Malaysia, uh, we show the citizens or we show students what good democracy actually looks like and what goodish, good leadership from the government actually looks like. So it's important for citizens to know what good uh, good democracy looks like in order for them to also voice out and point out issues that are currently in our country. Yeah. Right. But you see, you, you, you say that, right? But in Malaysia, you know, we, when we are told since young, um, you know, um, particularly, uh, you know, that young people, particularly students, you know, we shouldn't get involved in politics. And it's not just the government who is saying that. Um, it's our parents. Parents, a lot of times, um, parents say these things, you know, just keep your head down, just study, do your homework, mm-hmm. don't worry about politics, don't get involved in this, don't do mm-hmm. all of that, you will get into trouble. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I think the top-down culture, like I mentioned in, uh, like I always talk about uh, the top-down culture in Malaysia, uh, I think it's very prevalent in our society where older people always tell uh, youths to not speak out, right? Or to not bring up issues because they feel like it's controversial and like we shouldn't challenge authority. We shouldn't challenge people in position of power. And uh, I feel like that's completely wrong. We've been brainwashed. I would say Malaysians are so used to the idea of having to be uh, very civilized, very polite towards uh, towards everyone. You know, it's it, I, I think it's just in our culture. And uh, the fact is, the more this culture is perpetuated, the more harmful it is to us and to future generations. Because when we aren't allowed to speak out, uh, when we aren't allowed to get involved in politics, when we aren't allowed to make change uh, or get involved in the process of making change, uh, this means that we won't ever be able to get change in our country. And we won't ever be able to reform these issues that exist in our country and therefore future generations will continuously have to go through this cycle of uh, rip, uh, suppression, this cycle of like suppressing s- student voices, right? And like, it's completely terrible because students should be able to voice out on issues that they uh, face, you know? Students should be able to speak up whenever they feel like something is wrong. If the, uh, the Ministry of Education and if our Malaysian government really claims to be the pristine institution that uh, they claim to be, then they shouldn't be afraid, or uh, I would say older people in general shouldn't be afraid on you speaking out. On the show with me today is Izana Azudin, co-founder of Maya Movement. After the break, I'll be asking her what the new upcoming government should prioritize immediately in terms of education. We'll be back with more on Good Things, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Good Things. I'm Dashran Johan and I'm joined on this show by Izana Azudin, co-founder of Maya Movement. Maya Movement is an independent youth-led movement advocating for education reform and amplifying student voices around Malaysia. So Izana, 
you know, you brought up this idea of access to education um, and that, uh, you know, when we look beyond, because in, people in, uh, you know, let's say in the, in the upper middle class or middle class um, circles, the, the worry when it comes to education, um, a lot of times, let's say for kids, is that, okay, should I send um, my kid to the Taman Perumahan school that's near me or should I send them a little bit uh, further, you know, pinjam? Um, what is that, uh, electricity bill and water bill and then get them registered in a better school. But beyond that, like you mentioned, um, or outside of this circle, right, there are people who, like you mentioned, uh, Viviona, who had to climb on a tree just to get internet access, just to take, a, take an exam. Um, do you think that a lot of these, uh, these problems um, is because our education system is too centralized? That because all the instruct it's a it's a one size fit all uh, fits all solution for for whatever problems and, and and like state governments and and local governments do not have the, and in schools and principals do not have the autonomy mm. to make adjustments as they see necessary to the to the community. So yeah, I do believe that uh, the one size fits all system that the MOE has in place for our education system is uh, terribly flawed because they think that every student is the same and every student can get access to education the same way. I think this is a huge problem because uh, they don't really take uh, this one size fits all system doesn't really take into account of students who live in rural areas, students who have disabilities and uh, those kind of those kind of problems are very overlooked by uh, the government, uh, by the Ministry of Education, because uh, they assume that every student has internet connection, that every student uh, doesn't have uh, learning disabilities, or every student has the mental uh, capacity to actually uh, go through the education system, especially during a pandemic right now, right? Which is taking a toll on their mental health. And like, it's completely horrible, you know, how like they assume that every single student is the same. So I feel like changes needed to be made and uh, the education system needs to be tailored in a way that helps each and every student. A lot of schools are actually really focused on students just getting A's, students getting really high marks or doing very well, but not actually caring about whether they understand what they're learning, you know, whether uh, the materials that they're consuming in classes is actually comprehensive enough for them to be functioning members of society to become better citizens. Uh, we, we talked about uh, many problems so what is the solution? Um, what do you do? What does Maya Movement do to push for these reforms? So uh, a few things that we actually do and what we started with since the beginning is actually uh, to try our best to raise awareness. So how we do this is actually we, uh, under Maya Movement, we manage and create projects to uh, raise awareness about certain issues. For example, uh, some of the issues that we are currently tackling under the projects that we have. Uh, for example, we have Project Student Activism, which uh, talks about student activism in many different aspects. Uh, we also host webinars under it. We try to make it as accessible as possible. Uh, we try to get youths to watch our webinar and uh, consume the content that we create in order for them to uh, be more educated, you know. But uh, secondly, what we try to do is also... Um, host programs. So one of the programs that we just hosted is called uh, 
literacy advocacy challenge, which is uh, under fellow parliament, which we just actually ended our program like uh, on the 14th. And uh, under this program, what we tried to do was actually to get uh, the participants to identify issues within their community and create uh, proposals or create like policies of some sorts, uh, bring up problems within the communities and uh, create these proposals. They also, when creating these proposals, they also create solutions in order to fix the issues within the community, right? And I think this really helps the participants or this really helps youths involved in these kind of programs to think about the issues within our community. What needs to be fixed? Uh, what needs to be changed? You know, What are these sort of issues that we need to prioritize right now? And yeah, that's the sort of things we do. But other than that, we also uh, release press statements to pressure authorities and parties involved in order to make change. One of the press statements we released uh, was to actually push the MOE to lower student university fees, to right. lower the university fees for students. Yeah. So do you guys um, engage with lawmakers directly? Um, and are they usually open to suggestions? Uh, so we don't actually engage with lawmakers directly yet mm. at the moment. We haven't really done that yet, but that is something that we're looking forward to. Okay. To and what do you think prevents um, reforms? Because, it, it, you know, we talk to a lot of people, right? Um, you know, and, and it's as if we've been hearing a lot about these problems for many, many years, right? We all, everybody knows what the problems are. But, but yet nobody seems to be able to fix them. So, so or, or nobody seems to be willing to fix them. What, what, what do you think prevents these reforms from happening in Malaysia? Um, I think one is also uh, the, the, the lack of political will from um, our Ministry of Education and also uh, the government. They feel like, uh, I think in my opinion, it seems to them like they feel like it's not important enough to or, or like students aren't really the focus of, or they don't deem students as important enough, even though we are the future generation that will be running this country, right? Uh, right. Because of the lack of political will, I think behind that is also the fact that they want to keep the status quo. And like, I think like it's just Malaysian culture in general to be like so... Uh, comfortable with where we are, even though it's causing us, even though these problems or these issues that we're facing right now is causing us distress, right? Uh, because of that mindset, I think the government feels like there's nothing to change and that everything is fine as long as students are receiving the bare minimum that uh, basic, uh, the bare minimum, like the basic education, for example, teaching them maths, teaching them science uh, and English, those kind of things, they feel like it's enough to to keep students educated, you know, and uh, it, this sort of thing like prevents them from being able to develop critical thinking skills, which is why it's, uh, which is why like so many Malaysians, I think have difficulty in questioning like systems of authority that are like uh, repressing us, you know, and preventing mm. us from speaking out. In, in Malaysia, um, it seems like students have been, you know, in this infinite, I mean, all of us have been in this infinite lockdown since um, last year, but mm. students have been affected by it um, really badly, right? Because um, with schools just being closed all the way, um, we've heard about, you know, things like a lost generation. We've heard about how many students are 
uh, you know, dropping out um, one by one because they have they, they, they can't go to schools and if they don't have um, good internet, which means there's nothing. There's, there's nothing, there's no, not even online classes. And so these people have just lost their, many people have just lost their interest in studying altogether. Even YB Muslim Malay has repeatedly pointed this out many, many times. But at the same time, we look at other countries like Singapore, right? They were able to keep their schools open since last June. Students have, uh, you know, continued their education um, as normal as they can, uh, you know, do it. Um, in the current climate, what did you? What do you think we did wrong here? Um, I think one of the few things that uh, we did wrong was the fact that, like, uh, the previous Perikatan National Government was incompetent in terms of keeping the cases down. Right, so I think that was the main problem why uh, students couldn't go back to school is because the cases are so high. It's like it's like in the twenty in the number of like twenty thousand cases right now daily. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Brigada National Government was incompetent in terms of keeping the cases down. They couldn't control the cases, which is uh, why students can't go back to school physically. But secondly, is also the education minister, uh, minister at the time, Razi Jidin, was actually missing in action for a very long time. We barely heard any statement from him or any, uh, or any implementation of a plan in place in order to combat, uh, in order to make sure students still get the education that they deserve in the COVID-19 pandemic, right? But I think the third issue here was also uh, the vaccination process is way too slow for children. So the fact that they aren't able to get vaccines means they're not able to attend school due to this as well because the environment isn't safe for them enough. And, uh, you know, we as much as possible want to prevent people from contracting COVID, especially children who will probably get affected by this very heavily. Now, Schools are supposed to be safe spaces, ideally, a place where you know parents can drop off their kids, go to work, and expect that their kids are safe, protected, mm-hmm. and hopefully learn a thing or two. However, mm-hmm. this year we saw in such a direct way that this is not the case. Um, Ayn Husniza, a young girl, um, called out her teacher on TikTok for making statements promoting rape culture and masquerading it as a so-called joke, um, rape jokes, as it's more commonly known as. Now the brave young girl is getting sued. What does this tell you about our culture and education here in Malaysia? I think uh, this whole situation tells us that um, our culture is very... Uh, rape culture is very deeply entrenched in uh, the Malaysian society and people deem uh, sexual harassment and uh, sexual assault or these kind of inappropriate jokes made at school uh, as something that's completely possible and fine because one, people, because uh, one, I think people have been so used to these kind of things without, uh, people are so used to facing these kind of things uh, without speaking out because uh, one, speaking out would mean that you would get ostracized for it, you know. And uh, two is also people are afraid to speak out because of the backlash. Uh, But secondly is also, I think this boils down to the education syllabus, uh, the education system syllabus in a whole, right? I feel like our sex education in Malaysia isn't comprehensive enough to teach students that it is uh, that sexual harassment is wrong you know making these kind of rape jokes at school isn't okay especially if it comes from a teacher uh, a way to eradicate I would say rape culture in our society is to start at 
through education, right? So what we can do is provide comprehensive sex education, uh, teach students about the importance of consent, teach students about why sexual harassment isn't okay and uh, what uh, grooming or pedophilia sort of looks like, right? Because uh, I feel like students, because like I said earlier, students aren't really exposed to what a good education system looks like because they've never been taught about it, you know? Basically, just it's very hard to eradicate like sexual harassment and uh, rape culture from a society if we don't start with uh, the education system, right? Because uh, one of like the prevalent issues in the education system is also the fact that it uh, creates like, it gives out like so much false perspectives. Uh, for example, in the Form 4 Pendidikan uh, Just Money textbook, they actually said that one of the reasons why women get raped is or sexually harassed is because they don't cover themselves up. And I feel like that this is a very huge issue, right? Is the fact that your own education system is telling you that if you get assaulted or if you get harassed by predators, that it's your own fault. So these kind of things makes it more difficult for victims of sexual harassment uh, to actually speak out because they're afraid that they'll get ostracized because their own education system is telling them that it's their fault. So I feel like this sort of thing needs to be fixed and a comprehensive sex education needs to be in place in order to teach students about the important concept of consent, the important uh, what sexual harassment looks like, how to practice safe sex, those kind of things, you know, it's really important. You know, with all of what we've uh, you know been discussing in mind, right? Um, we we are going to be getting a new government soon. Um, nothing is hundred percent confirmed as of yet. Um, as far as who's going to be who's going to be the prime minister and all that, we are still waiting for the council of rulers to finalize all of that. But at the end of the day, we will be getting a new government, regardless of who's which which government is formed what should they prioritize immediately in terms of education? I think uh, the first thing that they should prioritize is get students uh, vaccinated as soon as possible so uh, we can achieve herd immunity and cases can go down so students can go back to school uh, as fast as possible. But secondly is also uh, to lower university fees, subsidize it. Because we're in the COVID-19 pandemic right now, so many families are impacted. They've lost uh, a source of income. A lot of parents aren't able to work. Um, so this means that like their children who are going through university right now uh, maybe aren't able to pay their university fees, you know, and uh, or uh, PTPTN money isn't enough for them to pay their university fees. So I feel like one of the main issues that they need to target is also uh, lowering university fees, uh, subsidize, subsidize it and make it more affordable for students to study because they're not even using physical university facilities right now. But third is also uh, the government really needs to start paying attention to students speaking up about issues in schools, such as sexual harassment. We shouldn't have to, these kind of issues shouldn't have to exist in the first place. Shouldn't, students shouldn't have to be ostracized of bringing, out, uh, of bringing up an issue which negatively impacts them, you know? Uh, it's terrible whatever is happening to Ayn Husniza right now. Uh, so we don't want those kind of things to happen. The government immediately needs to let students speak up 
and bring up issues that happen in the education system in order to make change. But uh, lastly, is also to uh, what I think is really important is also to create a comprehensive plan on made, making education more accessible and comprehensive, especially during the pandemic. You know, so a few things that they can do is actually uh, work on digitizing uh, uh, education. Right, uh, make it. Uh, because we already like witness like a couple of like digital education platforms such as one uh my one bistari net those sort of things uh fail you know and currently like a- another issue under digitizing education also is the fact that a lot of students don't have uh, a lot of students especially in rural areas don't have access to uh the technology that they need to use or like the gadgets that they need to use uh, for example, like phones or laptops in order to join classes. I think the government needs to immediately solve this issue and uh, bridge the digital divide, uh, bridge the, yeah, the digital divide that's happening right now in order for students to get uh, more accessible education. Um, before we wrap this conversation up, Izana, um, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to uh, leave us with? Or perhaps um, any, uh, you know, anything that uh, you are working on right now, how can people pretty much get involved in the Maya movement? So uh, I think a few ways that people can get involved in Maya movement is uh, one, what you can do is always, uh, if you'd like to join our uh if you'd like to join our movement, you can always send us an email with your resume. Uh, just tell us that you're interested. But second is also you can get involved in uh, you can get involved in our programs as well. So uh, our project literacy advocacy challenge just ended, but we have many more programs uh, that are upcoming that we're planning at the moment, and it would be great for students to be for more youths or more people in general to just be involved in our program. So uh, it's a platform for them to speak out and voice out about issues that are going on in our country in the education system. And uh, you can also follow our Instagram page as well, My Movement. You can also follow our Twitter and uh, you can check out our website as well. We have so many resources there that you can look at. Uh, we currently also release articles as well. We have our meet uh, we have a Medium account that released articles about student activism. You can also read up on that. That's how you can get involved in Meyer. But I think my final thoughts is basically our government needs to care more about what the students think and they need to care more about what the youths, uh, the issues that the youths are bringing up. Because the more that they close their ear, uh, the more that they uh, close themselves off from listening to the opinions of students and to the opinions of youths, the harder it is to make change in our country and to make Malaysia more progressive. On that note, thank you so much for speaking to me uh, today, Izana. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I've been speaking to Izana Azudin, co-founder of the Maya Movement. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Good Things, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.